person Lover man Where can you be Yes Lover man Where can you be Lover man One man's love for another man There Which is a very strange thing in records You don't hear it very often and you certainly didn't hear it very often back in 1962 when this album was issued Love is a Drag it was called an entire album of male to male love songs recorded in mystery shrouded in mystery up to very recently indeed and the singer came forward to tell the story we're joined now by Jim Farber a long time music critic who contributes to The Guardian The New York Times Time Magazine and Mojo to tell us more about this Jim how are you tonight? Very good how are you? Very well indeed Um the idea that this album was shrouded in mystery and that an album of love songs are written from one man to another, at this remove, seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean it's incredible that this was done over half a century ago. Um, and then even more incredible, not to jump ahead too much in the story, to find out that the people who had made the album were actually straight. All the people involved in it, the singer and the producer and everyone, and yet the record made at that time was, was a sincere record. You know, it was not done as a joke or, or mm. in any way camp. Because that thing, that kind of skewers the whole thing a little bit, doesn't it? Because when you when you come across the record and find it, you think there's a wistfulness to the songs mm-hmm. and that this must be coming from, you know, uh, people who are thinking, we're never allowed to say how we feel about each other. Mm-hmm. But then you find well, out you're actually wrong. Well, the singer is, you know, he's a singer. Sorry, he, he's a singer, you know, so he, he's inhabiting the the character of the song in the same way that an actor would in yeah, a character. True. So, And he delivers it earnestly. He really so, does. So, you know, as, as a listener, you would believe it. Yeah. So tell me, how did it all happen? God, it's such a strange story. Um, basically, I mean, to go back, the guy who had produced the record who, and really conceived the record uh, was really a photographer, uh, this guy Murray Garrett. And he was a, a, a celebrity photographer in the 60s who did stuff, uh, 50s and 60s, who did stuff for Life magazine and, and Look. And, you know, he was a very prominent photographer. He was very close to people in Hollywood. And he um, he was friendly with a guy who was starting a record label in the early 60s. And the guy who was starting the label wanted to make a splash and wanted to have a record that would stand out. And he asked his friend, you know, Murray Garrett, like, did he have any ideas for something that would be a very different kind of record that people would pay attention to? And this is the interesting part of the story. Murray Garrett, you know, again, who was, who was straight, um, which I would not have guessed, um, but he, he remembered um, uh, an instance going back 15 years before, in 1946. He was uh, in New York at that time. He was brought by a friend of his to a bar in Greenwich Village. And he didn't know what kind of bar it was. It's just a bar, basically. So Garrett goes with his friend to this bar and, um, you know, he doesn't seem to notice that it's mainly men there. But at one point, uh, a young man comes out and begins singing songs to another man. And Garrett said, well, that was really interesting. That's incredible. And he kind of asked his friend exactly what kind of bar this is. And, you know, the, the, his friend says to him, to, to his naive, to the naive photographer, well, it's a gay bar, you know, so that he kind of puts it together only at that point. But th- the, the point is, is that that stuck with him that night. You know, he said that he was really impressed by the quality of the music. And he thought about how unusual this was. And obviously, he was an open-minded guy in 1946, and it didn't throw him. Yeah. And then he was, as I said, working in Hollywood for many years. So he knew a lot of gay people, um, and he was not thrown by this. So that's why this is a long-winded uh, right. answer to your, to your question. 
But that's why when the uh, the guy who was starting the record company came up and said, can you think of something different? He had this idea. He thought back to 1946 and thought, well, why not, why not do an album like that? Right. And that was the beginning of the story. Then basically Garrett had to go around finding a singer. And he knew the singer um, who had worked um, with, with jazz bands before and was actually actually quite well known at that time. Um, and um, he, I said he went up working with that's how he got the singer to do it. Right. And the singer, um, he talked about this with his wife, just to make yeah. sure that he wasn't making a career-ending mistake, really. Yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, as I said, the singer Gene Howard had worked with Stan Kenton. He would be almost like equivalent to, um, you know, he, he, was, he was kind of a star within that band. Um, but the really interesting part of the story is that when the singer asked his wife about this, you know, as the story came to me, she just said, like, is it going to be done with dignity? She wanted to be sure that it was done seriously. And the producer said, you know, it's not a comedy album. You know, we, we really mean to do this in, in an earnest way. It's, it's kind of hard to get your mind around it. I mean, they were, these were very progressive people in 1962. Right. And then they had to find an entire band who were willing to do it as well. And, and, do it and they in, all did. And they all did. <laughs> but without ever having their names used. I mean, that's the thing, you know, that, that's why there's this mystery about it. What happened was, the album came out, there was not a lot of money for, to uh, promote it, so it really became just a cult item in Hollywood and San Francisco and Greenwich Village, a lot of by word of mouth, and Hollywood, you know, was created there, so people really knew people who, uh, who had worked on it, and um, also, um, uh, the photographer, uh, Murray Garrett, had worked with Bob Hope, and Bob Hope loved it. You know, contrary to his image, as a very conservative person. Apparently, he really liked the album, and he told people about it. Frank Sinatra really liked the album. You know, as Ed Liberace did, which may be somewhat less surprising. But you know, it, it had a, it had a, a cult following in, in Los Angeles at that time. Right. Um, uh, and I presume, by by having a cult following, I presume their identities was must have been an open secret, was it? I think that yeah, I mean there were people there who, who knew, but it wasn't listed on the rec- uh, on the album. Right. Uh, not even the year that it was made. Now I, I should give credit to um, to uh, J D Doyle, who is the historian who really kind of an archivist who kind of is the conduit to getting this record. The record had been out again, like you know it, it was listed in record collectors things. It kind of faded shortly after 1962, but there, you could find it in, in catalogs for record collectors. And J.D. Doyle, who is, uh, has a radio show called Queer Music Heritage that runs on a public radio station, or ran on a public radio station in Houston, um, he came across this record. He, w- he wondered about it. He was playing it on his show. He um, had that archived, you know, what he was playing on his website. And the way that this all came about was Murray Garrett, who by that time was in his late 80s, now is, is actually 90 years old and not in great health. He... Um, uh, saw that, that Murray Garrett had written about this. You know, he was kind of Googling and, and found out, you know, who was talking about this record. And then um, uh, Murray Garrett contacted uh, J.D. Doyle and gave him an interview. And in the piece I wrote for The Guardian today, I, I quoted some of the things that um, that uh, that Murray Garrett, the producer, had said to uh, J.D. Doyle. Because uh, I didn't talk to... I talked to, to um, Doyle, but not to uh, Murray Garrett, because he's in poor health now. Okay. But he did give an interview where he told a lot of these stories and where he gave a lot of background about what went on. Right. Um, so the, basically it wasn't promoted was the real reason that it kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. But the idea yeah, but of, of a, sorry, the idea of a record 
where a man simply says, you know, and talks about another man, that still remained taboo for, for almost 45 of the 50 years, didn't it? That's what's really interesting to me. You know, the, the album is really coming at an interesting time because now we have a trend, and it's quite new, really, over the last, escalating over the last two years, where you have some artists who are beginning to actually use the pronoun of, of their, the object of their desire. But that was really rare. Even when you were having, um, you know, uh, people coming out at various times, um, and then a lot of pop stars started to come out in the 90s, they still... It would, maybe it would just be known. They would they would say that they were gay, and but then the actual songs would be towards the they you. It wouldn't yeah. be towards the he or she. Perfect examples like Sam Smith, you know, who's perfectly out, has been very open talking about it from the beginning of of when he broke in his career, and yet he doesn't sing songs with the he pronoun. But this is this is what's beginning to change, and young artists are beginning to to do that. Now. Right, and with this, they have an album where it seems like it changed fifty years ago. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a bit of it. You listen to it and you think it's very, it's very wistful, and you think it's you know a man who's brokenhearted about the fact that he can't express his love. Um, but the fact yeah. that he's a straight man with a wife and two children, it does, it does change it a bit, doesn't it? I, you know, I, I kind of love that idea. <laughs> I think it, again, I think it speaks to the open mindedness of the people who put it together. I think it speaks to the power of music. That when the singer, he's a good singer, when he was. You know, given the task of performing this material, he performed it faithfully. You right. Know? Um, I, I mean, yes, I, I know what you're saying, or maybe implying um, that it would be nice if you had out people talking about it. Yeah. But now, you know, 55 years later, we do. Right. <laughs> I'm just as funny. I was thinking about Morrissey as well, and you know, a song like um, "He Knows I'd Love to See Him." He just even, <laughs> even <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but Morrissey's stuff is. God, I mean, it, it's a real quagmire when you get into Morrissey because everything's so complicated. And uh, even when he does talk about, um, uh, you know, his sexuality in his autobiography, it's very kind of complicated. And, and, and 